Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is IAQ Radio. Indoor air quality radio. The voice of the indoor air quality industry. With your hosts, Radio Joe Hughes and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now... Radio Joe Hughes. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome. It's episode 469 of IAQ Radio and it's Friday, July 21st, 2017. This week we welcome the Siffords, Justin and Christy. We're going to talk a little bit about employment and hiring employees and running a business, all valuable information. Before we do, let's thank our marquee sponsors. IAQ Radio marquee sponsors are John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Healthy Indoor Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at IAQ.net. Legends Environmental Insurance, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. That's legends-enviro.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services or products. And last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. We'll be out in the Kansas City area in August. And uh, don't forget, we also have continuing education credits available for the show. Just email me at joe dot hughes at iaqtraining.com we'll get you out a quiz and uh, you can get a continuing education credit all right let's turn it over to the z-man for today's iaq radio trivia question and now you can win a cool prize it's time for the iaq radio trivia question be the first to correctly answer simply email your answer to c zlotnick at cs.com or if listening live just text your answer from your computer and now here's the z-man with this week's iaq radio trivia question submitting your answer is easy either email it to Zalotnik at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text them the answer by your computer. I'm sorry to report there was no correct answer to our last trivia question, which was to identify the common thread running between these three incidents, the 1989 Exxon Valdez oil spill, the Challenger space shuttle disaster, and the Chernobyl nuclear accident. The answer was all three have been attributed to human errors in which sleep deprivation played a role. Now for today's trivia question. The IQ trivia question for today, Friday, July 21, 2017, has been sponsored by Ideas, the solution chemistry company creating unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Now for today's IQ radio trivia question. Who is 
acknowledged as the father of human resource management. Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. This week, we welcome the Siffords, Justin and Christy. Christy uh, was the founder of the company Wildner after years in the flooring industry ex- and um, including experience and a track record in finding and placing top talent for both the flooring and restoration positions. She was a highly successful matchmaker in the business. She started working in her family-owned flooring store in college and grew to develop a flooring company, which was part of a large disaster restoration and carpet cleaning company in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. In addition to recruiting, she has worked with many clients in the flooring industry on process improvement and handling remote accounting for flooring companies. Sifford worked in the flooring industry for 20 years and as a restoration industry for over a decade. Having owned flooring companies in the past, he has a unique perspective that allows him to appreciate the struggles his clients have in owning a business, employing, and keeping top talent. He previously worked as the vice president of operations for a firm that offered consulting and recruiting services to the flooring and restoration industries. He worked with a wide range of companies, from companies as small as a half a million dollars a year, up to those whose volume exceeded 20 million. He was able to successfully streamline processes for other companies, identify key performance indicators, and was the chief architect in the growth of their company. We welcome you today to IQ Radio. Let's let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what what... Tell me a little more about the company. It's, it's called Wylander, I believe, and, and what do you do? What kind of services do you provide? Well, obviously, uh, we, we focus on the recruiting uh, services for the restoration, flooring, and construction industries. Um, we've, we've worked in these industries ourselves. Uh, we know them very well. Um, like I said, like, like Cliff had said, we've got over 10 years. Uh, I have personally over 10 years in the restoration industry and uh, have worked side-by-side side with estimators, project managers, um, dealt with program work, contract selection, was fortunate enough to be part of a uh, winning team for the Golden Hammer, if that's your thing. Uh, I can say that uh, that sometimes is very costly. A lot of owners have to weigh that. Um, so, you know, I think part of us being unique is, is we've, we've worked in the, in the industry. Uh, so we, we're very familiar with it. We're very familiar with the day-to-day operations, what makes a, you know, a superstar a superstar. And Christy, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the, in the, the personnel side of things. <laughs> right. Um, well, <clears throat> I was actually a teacher for 10 years um, in Texas there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, taught elementary school. I uh, left to teach to help Justin grow the flooring business. And became a controller, director of accounting for a three and a half million dollar company uh, with no accounting background, and uh, really enjoyed it, liked it. And you know, long story short, we were given the opportunity to get into the recruiting business, and and we just we really enjoy it. You know, I really enjoy helping people, and I like help matching good candidates with good clients, and we just really enjoy the the people we work with, the clients we work with all the time. Um, and we get to meet a bunch of different folks from all over the U.S., so that's that's really awesome as well. Cliff, why? I, I, I guess what my my first question is: Why do you 
pick talent and recruit talent better than the owner of a business? You know, why and how do you do that? Um, you know, for us, that's what we do all day long, right? We're looking through resumes. We're screening applicants. Um, an owner of a business not only is has to ensure that his company staff, but he also has various other things to do, right? Recruiting takes a lot of time. I mean, it. I would say 68% of our hires right now are what we call a passive candidate, meaning we went and dug them out and presented an opportunity to them. And owners don't have time to do that. Um, it, it, it allows them to focus on portions of their business that they enjoy, that they like to do to ensure the growth of their company and let somebody else who does this day in and day out focus on finding people for them and presenting those folks to them. I'm wondering, you know, I've been reading that resumes are almost kind of, I don't know, you know, passe these days and that um, people are looking more at profiles on things like LinkedIn and they they check Facebook and and see what people are posting on Facebook and some of these different groups. Are those the types of tools you use as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn is is on all of our, our favorites, if you will. Uh, we're, use, we're on LinkedIn every day. Um, when an when employer calls us and says, hey, I need a business development person, one of the things that we look for on someone's LinkedIn profile is their number of connections. Their resume say, may say they have years of outside sales experience and awesome growth and, and all these wonderful things. And uh, we, we have something in our company called Sniff Test. So I'm going to get that resume. I'm going to go explore that candidate and, and do a little bit of digging and, and look at look at their LinkedIn profile and and see how many connections they have because you know one plus one equals two. But you know if if they're a superstar and they say they're on LinkedIn and I go check out their profile and and, and they have ten connections, well, you know that that just doesn't add up. So yeah, LinkedIn is one. Um, you know, any tool um, that's available online, we're using. We're we're an exclusive online company. We're able to recruit around the country because we're online. Uh, the internet, of course, has changed a lot of things. What are the common questions that a prospective uh, employee asks you? Um, you know, they want to know company stability. They want to know how long has the business been around? What's the growth of the company? Um, the re- a really big one is why are they hiring for the role? Are they replacing somebody? Are they, is this a growth position? Uh, they want to know about bonus plan and compensation and what does the pay look like? Um, and the really, another really big one is growth opportunity. You know, many of the companies we work with are family-owned businesses. So unless you're family, sometimes you won't be in an upper management role. So they want to know, is there opportunity for me there to grow into an organization? You know, another part of us evaluating a candidate is the questions they ask. Um, we don't just want a candidate that lo- that's looking for a job. We, we were looking for candidates that are, are wanting a place to settle down, wanting a place to grow, wanting a place to, uh, you know, kind of make their home. So. Uh, part of our evaluation process on the candidate side as well as the questions they ask us. And 
it seems you focus on three areas, flooring, uh, restoration, and construction. And I assume a big part of that is because, you know, that was your background, especially the flooring and restoration. I'm curious, um, which of those areas do you see the biggest need for the types of services you provide? I, I would say it's, it's recruiting. Um, a, big, a big part of our business, I'm sorry, restoration. A big part of our business is restoration. Um, the, the owners are just busy. They're either growing like crazy or trying to figure out um, how to keep the doors open, and most of them are growing like crazy. And uh, definitely the restoration clients um, occupy the bulk of our business right now. Do you, do you see any regional um, needs or wants? Or are there certain regions of the country that appear to be doing better than others, or is it kind of all over the board? You know, if, if I was a betting person, I would get a highlighter and, and just start in Chicago and work, work my way right. I would stay below Boston, include Boston to stay below, and then stay along the coast hmm. and just go all around. I would end in Texas and jump over and pick up in Phoenix, uh, and work my way up to California all the way to, to Seattle. Those are, are areas that just seem to have a lot of, a lot of activity. Um, the heartland, if you will, of the country, you know, we, we don't have a whole lot going on there. I, we do have a couple of clients that are uh, having some success, but the bulk of our clients are going to be in that highlighted area, if you will, uh, the perimeter of the country. You know, before the show, we, we talked a little bit about the fact that you're, you're moving to Florida. How's the market in Florida? It, it's actually doing well. We've got some very strong clients in Florida um, that, that are doing very well. The problem in, in a lot of markets of, of Florida is, is strong people. Um, you know, everyone wants, <clears throat> excuse me, the blue, the blue sky candidate, the one who's going to walk in on day one with five years of exactimate five years of construction or more experience and, you know, five years or more of uh, restoration experience, we're not finding those, especially in today's market where unemployment is so low. Um, like Christy mentioned earlier, over 60% of the candidates we're finding we're, or hiring getting placed, we're going out and finding. Um, so you don't see a lot of skilled folks uh, in the market just looking for work unless they're unhappy in their role for some reason. Um, but yeah, I would say that Florida, Florida is doing, is doing well. And I'm, I'm curious. What are some of the questions that the owners, you know, that your clients actually ask you? Um, you know, they, they want to know, the big one is you live in Virginia. How can you recruit for me in California? Right. That's always, that's kind of a bit, that's a big one for sure. Um, they, they want to know about compensation. That's a big question. You know, you, you write offers every day. You see what, um, what people are paying. What, what is the compensation look like? What does that look like for me? Am I going to get somebody for X amount of dollars or am I kind of kidding myself? Um, they want to know our fee structure. How, how, how do we get paid to help them? Um, they want to know on average, how long does it take? You know, for us, it takes anywhere from 35 to 45 days to, to hire a candidate. Um, you know, we have a record of two days, but that is the candidate went in, the client hired them on the spot and we would never recommend that. Um, <laughs> so 
they, you know, I would say we have some markets where it takes a little longer. It just depends on the net that they're wanting to cast. Um, they also are looking to how can they improve their recruiting in their company because companies should be recruiting for themselves all the time, every day. Um, by the time they usually get to us, they needed that employee two months ago, right? Uh, so they want to know what is a good strategy? Where should I be posting? How should I be running job descriptions, job advertisements? What what types of positions? I'm, I'm just curious. I do, do, Does anybody ask you to recruit technicians for them, or are these all going to be like project manager, <laughs> estimator, et cetera? We're... Our, I would say our top three positions are an estimator, project manager, and sales. But we have recruited anywhere from the technician level up to a CFO um, for a $100 million company. So um, technicians are tough. They're you know, one of the hardest to find. They usually don't have resumes. Um, it's hard for them to pay a fee for a $12-an-hour employee but, um, you know, a lot of times when they come to us and they're looking for general laborers, we'll help them place an advertisement out there. This is what you should do. This is where you should place it. Let me know um, how it goes. And sometimes they just get to a point where they're like, I don't want to do it. I just want you to do it. Get me some good people, you know. Hmm. But with technicians, we try to help them first. Tell me what you're doing to recruit. Let's try that route. And then usually when we are engaged in recruiting extensions, it's first certified person, somebody who has those certifications who's been in the industry for a while. And those positions, those technician positions are very difficult. Uh, you know, the, the owners aren't just competing with other restoration companies anymore. They're competing with Home Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy, Costco. If you think about it, you know, depending on where you are in, in the country, you're going to pay your technician, say, twelve fifty an hour to seventeen an hour, maybe up to twenty two. Um, that that person can go to Home Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy, Costco, and get that salary or close to it, not be on call, not have to wake up in the middle of the night and leave their family, uh, not get overworked because they're probably going to have so many calls that you don't have enough people to meet the demand because of the ebbs and flows of the restoration industry. Um, and, they're, you know, these companies are going to offer benefits. Uh, a lot of our, our clients, you know, some do and some don't. It depends on the stage of the, their growth. Um, so those are incredibly difficult. And also, you know, a lot of employers in the restoration industry aren't creating a job growth plan for this technician. So for them, many of them, it's, it's kind of a dead-end job. One of the things that we like our clients to do is, is look back at your current staff level and do an analysis of who in your company is at a project manager level, estimator level, or higher that started as a water tech. And, you know, sometimes that's a reality check because it's your job as the owner, you know, or, or manager to grow these people, to continually get them to, to improve themselves. If they're not wanting to improve themselves, then you have the wrong person in your company. To get them to improve themselves, and promote within their company, but it's it's difficult. Uh, the water technician, mitigation project manager role, very difficult to fill. You mentioned the um, Lowe's, Home Depot, Costco, and their, their ability to hire people. It's also cleaner work. They're not out there, you know, tearing out wet right. car carpet and so on. That's right. Do you get much um, 
crossover between your construction workers and and your restoration people? Is that another area that you could uh, kind of look for? We do, we do, and and in many uh, aspects of the industry, not just at the technician level. When we're going to look for a controller, for example, we're looking for a controller who's worked in the construction industry because the culture in the construction industry crosses over very nicely to the restoration industry. If I pull a controller who's worked on Main Street in XYZ City her whole life and I go put her in a, uh, you know, a small office that does $25 million. million dollars, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just even though the revenue's there and we need that skill level, you know, it's demeaning to her to drive up to this building for some reason every day. Demeaning that I have people in my office that have muddy boots. It's, you know, all these things. So uh, it's really a cultural fit as well. So construction does cross over nicely, but not just at the technician level, many levels of the, the industry. Are, are you seeing more of a demand for your services in the construction industry in general? Uh, we are. We are. We, we actually had... Um, we are. We had a client refer us to a um, a liquid transformer company, uh, right? <laughs> and that, you know, we we said, okay, well, we'll hear you out. It's not our specialty, and we ended up finding them some very nice candidates. They hired an HR person, director of HR. Um, what was the other role that we hired with them, Christy? Uh, a controller. We hired a controller yeah. for them. A controller. <laughs> so, um, yeah, construction, construction related. Those are. Those are nice industries, and the demand is, is there. I want to go back, and then, Cliff, you know, I want you to get back to your questions you developed, but I, I want to go back for just a second. You mentioned hiring technicians and telling people, you know, where to advertise, where to advertise for these technicians. Can you give listeners who, you know, are, are just listening, trying to figure out how to find good employees, a few tips on that? Um, you know, Indeed is becoming a really powerful tool. Um, you know, CareerBuilder is, is more your, your educated folks, you know, looking for controller type roles. Monster can be effective. Um, I would, you know, I would keep advertisements and postings in, in local places there, too, in your, around in your, in your business for technicians. Um, you know, colleges and just community colleges. Because, uh, you know, you're looking for somebody in that younger range, you know, early 20s. They have a great work ethic. They want to learn something um, and they want to they want to grow with they want to they want to create a career. And this is this is a really good industry to be in if you if you like it and you have the drive, you know, um, no matter how good or bad the economy is going to be. We have to have restoration companies. You're going to have hurricanes and floods and fires and and all of that, you know. If I could reiterate um, as far as tips for the, the owner, uh, first of all, have, have a strategy. Be strategic in your hiring process. Um, so that, that goes to the ad you created, to how you want them to respond. Just think through each step of the process. And if you don't have something in place currently, get something in place so you're not caught off guard, so you look like the the ultimate professional when you do have a good candidate call you or walk in your door. Um, but, you know, SEO, we, we all know what that term means, and someone's resume and someone's job posting has a lot to do with SEO. So you've got to use keywords in your job postings so that your candidates will be able to find your ad because 
when you're a individual posting a job, you're competing with thousands of other people, not just in the restoration industry, thousands of other employers posting their jobs. And so you want to make sure that uh, you're using great uh, keywords like Xactimate, um, things like that, uh, that are industry-specific that are going to pop up when your candidates are searching for you. And let me just get a clarification. Christy, the, the first one you mentioned, I thought I heard Indeed. I'm not familiar with that. It's a it's a um, a posting a job career platform that you can use. You can post resume, uh, candidates can post their resumes through there as a candidate. Employers can post job uh, advertisements on there as well. Um, but it it seems to be growing. It, it's become a good tool for some of these roles hmm. for sure. How do you spell um, that? I would look at any avenue that you possibly can oh. to look for people. So that's like um, I-N-D-E-E-D. Okay, I guessed right. All right, Cliff? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. when I was, went through the website in, in terms of preparing for the interview, one of the things that really moved me was a testimonial that you had from an employee that you placed about not trying to make that person fit into a position that wasn't for them. And I just wondered if you could comment on it. Yeah, we are big believers in the right person for the right seat. Um, Many times uh, employers are frustrated with their employees. And I would say most of the time it's because they're not in the right position. Um, We, you know, we never force a hire on, on a client. We want to make good hires all the time. So we have customers for life. We really, it's important for us to understand the client's needs and what they're looking for. And it's also important for us to listen to the candidate. You know, what do you like to do? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, To really find out, is that going to be a good fit for that person? You know, um, a perfect example is somebody who's only maybe done inside sales and they say they want to be on the road all the time. It probably isn't going to be the a best fit for them being out outside sales. You, there's a different love for that type of work, you know. Um, so for us, it's just it's just important that we help our clients find that right person for the right seat, and also the candidates we talk to. You know, we place them in the right seats because we have to have good candidates for our good clients, right? And if we're we're forcing hires and we're talking candidates into taking jobs it's going to, it will backfire. And then we'll, we'll be replacing that person. <laughs> How long does the typical person, or, well, let's put it this way. If, if you hire someone and they leave within a month, how does that come back on you, if at all? I mean, do you have to go out and try and help them find someone <laughs> else at a reduced price? Right. Or? So we offer a 60-day guarantee. So if that person is terminated, from the company, we'll replace them at no additional cost. Um, do we never have replacements? Of course we have some. You know, um, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't see in the future. Um, but the, I would say, you know, Justin and I were talking about this yesterday. One of the big weaknesses we see where it goes wrong with some clients is onboarding, right? The candidate starts, there's no training. They don't have business cards ordered. The IT person didn't know they were even hiring a new estimator. There's no email, you know. So as a as an employer, you need to have a system for that. You have to have 
you know, once somebody accepts an offer, you need to have a checklist that somebody is going through to make sure that that employee is set up for success from the very beginning of the process. Because it looks bad when they get to work and there's nobody there to train them and they sit around their first day, you know. That's a great point. Cliff, before we go to halftime, right. do you have one more? Um, yeah, it's probably a short one, and I don't know legally if you're allowed to answer this, but, you know, as someone who's 66 himself, I was just wondering if you know how old the oldest person was that you've played so far. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we can't ask, like you said. Um, we have some candidates that offer that information. Uh, right. We can make assumptions based on work history, school, but, you know, some of the best candidates are the ones with the best wisdom. And it's all about the right fit for the client. You know, gotcha. I think we've hired a huge age range. You know, I know we've hired candidates in their 20s all the way up to candidates in their 60s before. Okay. And what, what are the still hardest? Hope, they're still hope. Yeah, there's still some. <laughs> we can, you know, I'm 60. So. Um, what, what are the most difficult positions to fill? Oh, right I'll now. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's it's mitigation project manager. Um, again, you know, it goes back to talking about career path for your your technicians. Um, it, it, not many of them take that job because they want to grow in the industry because they never heard of it. You know, uh, teachers in school, to my knowledge, still aren't talking about or aren't talking about uh, careers in the restoration industry. They're still talking lawyers and doctors and and you know, college debt is what they're talking. Yeah, um, IT. So getting getting these folks in our in our industry, getting the right folks in our industry, educating them, investing in them, investing in good people, uh, and getting them to promote. So, yeah, mitigation project manager is the most difficult right now. Okay. We're going to break and thank our sponsors at halftime. We'll be back with the second half of our interview with Christy and Justin in just a moment. IAQ Radio would like to thank our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Particles Plus, engineers and manufacturers feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring, instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. ParticlesPlus.com. Count on us. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them. WolfSense.com. IAQ marquee sponsors are... John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Healthy Indoor Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Legends Environmental Insurance, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. That's legends-enviro.com. Okay, we're back. Second half of our interview. We've got uh, Justin and Christy Wilander on the line here. And Cliff, I'm going to turn it back to you. Thanks, Joe. Every company has a different culture that's based upon the owner. And not all business owners are nice or good people. How do you match the candidate to the existing 
business culture, and how do you know what the existing business culture is? You know, we after we bring on um, a client, we do what we call an intake call. So it's a 30 or 45 minute intake call. And we ask them about their culture, their priorities. Um, we listen to how they respond, you know, is, are they talking more about money in their bottom line? Or are they talking more about the, the good, the volunteering that their company does? You know, um, we, we work really hard to match the caliber of candidates to a caliber of clients. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough where we, we work with really awesome clients. Not, I mean, there's been some that have not been super awesome, but we get through it, you know, and we all learn something from, from each other. <laughs> how, much, how much can you learn about a company's culture by looking online and, and at their website and maybe the, the owner's LinkedIn profile or Facebook or something like that? Do you do that as well? Yes. We check um, their website. We check LinkedIn for the hiring managers that we're talking to. Um, Instagram is really powerful. Facebook, um, Facebook and Instagram, you really get an idea of the culture of the company, especially if they use those things because they're updating things that they're doing in their community and, and just the type of, of people they have working for them, uh, how involved they are. So absolutely. Yes. What, um, with respect to background checks, I'm not sure how comprehensive they are. You can fill us in on that. I assume nowadays it's it's pretty easy to get fairly comprehensive. But do you also do a background check on the on the owner uh, that's employing? Uh, that, that's maybe uh, maybe you don't want to tell us, but you know I'm just curious. It seems like that would be another way. <laughs> uh, next question, please. <laughs> okay, Cliff, it's all you. <laughs> big business um a lot of our clients come to us by referrals and um so if, if we have concern which oftentimes we don't but if we do have concern you know we'll pick up the phone and 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 say hey you referred this person over to us um tell us a little bit about them um you know sometimes folks get desperate and then they involve a recruiter sometimes they um they're back against the, against the wall. And you're probably not going to experience the best that that owner, individual, has to offer at that time. And, and we take that into consideration. One of the things that we do um, is disc personality. I, I'm a certified disc consultant now, and I've, I've been doing this for about six years. And I am typically able to identify someone's personality based on conversation or handshake. Obviously, if I'm meeting them on the phone, I'm not able to shake their hand. But, you know, understanding those four types of personalities, you understand what makes people fit. Uh, and, and we as a company implement this into our everyday culture. So not only to identify the right candidate for the client, but also speak on the, the client's terms. Are we perfect? No. But when, when I've got a D personality, which is your dominant, your driver, your doer, you know, he's like, give me candidate, give me now. Uh, I, I'm tired of waiting, and and that's our that's our response. Hey, I've got your candidate. Here's the qualifications you're looking for. This is what they're meeting. Um, let me know your thoughts. I'm going to send them in Tuesday for an interview. You get the opposite end of the spectrum 
you know, a conservative, a CD personality, cautious. If I set up an interview for them, they're going to be they're going to be mad. They're going to be. Well, I haven't even had a chance to review this person and and check their thumbprints and blood type and and all these other things. <laughs> so, um, you know, our ability uh, because our ability to read our clients, I, I think, is greatly increased compared to a lot of folks because of our understanding of personalities. I really believe that. All right, Justin, you hit the D and the C, so it's D I S. C. What's the I and the S? So your I is your inspiring uh, person. You know, um, my mom is a very high I personality. The downside to an I personality is illogical. For example, my mom was recently in South Texas. She was touring the beach with a friend, and there was a boat at a marina that had sunk. And she said, oh, look, I can (laughs) buy that 1978 boat that's half sunk and fix it up. Now, my mom is 66 years old, she's single, and she's handy, but not that handy. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of an illogical statement, if you will. Uh, so those are your eyes. Liberace, think Liberace, very, very glam. Uh, your S are your super soft, supportive, sweet people. You notice the, the tone change in my voice, because they talk that way. Think of Mr. Rogers for an S. Now, an owner can be all of these personalities. Um, typically, we're seeing Bs and Cs, right? Uh, but they can be any of these personalities. And so, you know, that's our job, understand that personality as, as soon as we can. Okay. Now, how, do, how does the fee structure work in this industry? If we were looking to hire someone, um, you know, had it maybe a restoration company and we needed a, a good project manager, which I think you said, uh, the mitigation project manager, the toughest to find. Um, what could we expect that to cost us? Um, we charge a flat fee uh, per hire. Uh, we collect a portion of that upon signing of a service agreement to get started. Uh, majority of recruiting companies uh, will charge a percentage of salary, um, anywhere from 15 to 25%. So if you're looking to hire a $50,000 project manager and you were to you know, hire a typical headhunter recruiting company, you would pay, you know, anywhere from ten, fifteen thousand dollars for that person. Uh, our fee is, is half that and it includes all of it, everything, the job description, uh, the intake call, sourcing and screening the applicants, um, you know, background checks, reference checks, disk personality assessment. We write and negotiate the offer for them. Uh, so there's no extra little add-on here and there if you want to do a background check or a disc. It's all included in that flat fee. Hmm. And if I'm I'm a business owner and I you know I feel like I you know I want to do this myself, it sounds to me like one of the key things that that you are both you know hitting on pretty regularly is you have to have processes in place. You have to have um, a way for people to progress in the company. All basically standard operating procedures. You've got to have these procedures in place. Is there any book or reference of some kind for where people can learn more about having the right processes in place? Because even if they're going to hire you, it's, it's still going to be better if they have those processes in place before they do. So I, I like and love our, our PDR, if you will, our physician desk reference that we keep on our desk is, um, a book by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth. And that book is about systems and processes in your business. 
500-foot view. Okay, if you create one system and one process in any segment of your business and you realize, wow, that really saved me time. I'm now more effective. I'm now more efficient. So that means I'm going to make more money. And I didn't have to necessarily increase in overhead to do that. You'll do the next thing in your business and the next thing and the next thing. As far as a book specifically related to hiring, don't know of one. Um, but you know your business. You know what goes on every day in your business. You know the process of hiring if you choose to do it on your own. And, and we're even happy to talk to people about it. We're not going to charge you to talk, talk to you about maybe improving your hiring process in your business. Uh, that, that's not what we're about. Um, but if you create, up, create a, a strategic plan in your hiring process, map it out, have other people involved in your company, HR person if you're large enough to have one, if not, maybe your ops manager, if not, maybe your production manager, get a couple other people involved and say, okay, where are we going to start? And think with the end in mind, and, and you'll be able to figure that out. And like I said, we're happy to, to get on the phone with owners and, and consult with them a little bit, if you will, on how to improve their process. And with respect to companies that want to hire a group like yours to help them with this process, what what do you recommend? What kind of questions should they ask that company they're looking to hire? Christy, you want to take that? Uh, no, go ahead. Okay, so one of the things that, that I feel uh, a company should should ask is tell me tell me why you you are good at what you do uh tell me what you know about my industry um tell me how many people on average you you hire per month or per year in my industry um in your opinion what is a good estimator in your opinion what is a good project manager um what is your ideal client you know because if we have a range of a million uh, a year in revenue for a client all the way up to 100, you know, there's, there's kind of a sweet spot for us. Not all of our, all of our clients are 100 million. Not all of them are doing a million. Um, so if someone were to ask me that question, we're going to say, you know, our sweet spot's between five and, and, and 25 million. That's the bulk of our clients. Hmm. Um, so I think those questions um, would be fair to ask. Uh, and, then, and then some industry terms. Uh, tell, me, tell me what you know about Xactimate. Tell me about program work. Tell me uh, who, you know, uh, your biggest competitor is and why you're, you're better with them. I think those would be fair. Very good. I, I like that. Cliff? Yeah. Um, you know, you had talked about starting around Chicago and then, you know, uh, moving to the east and, and, you know, staying kind of below Boston and then, you know, moving down on the coast. And Are there big differences in wage scale in those areas or is it pretty consistent? There, there is a range. Uh, we have these micro markets, if you will. San Francisco is a great example, New York City, uh, where you're not going to be able to get a project manager for 50000 in in San Francisco. Um, right. You know, the cost of living is just ridiculously high there. Uh, ridiculous is, is <laughs> subjective because it's, it's a beautiful area. It's a great town. But, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get someone for 50000 uh, you'll be able to get someone for fifty thousand, maybe even forty-five thousand in in Kansas City, uh, right. in, in in other smaller markets. You know, Dallas Fort Worth, fifty thousand for a project manager is the norm, uh, plus a commission structure. So 
Um, th- there is, but I would say mostly it's micro markets that you're seeing these large fluctuations in compensation. If if you were contacted by, or if you know you're in a conversation with a you know a technician or a laborer that does you know construction work typical guy or gal with a high school degree you know they've been out there sucking water or you know hammering nails for <laughs> five years and uh they ask you okay i want to i want to advance but i'm not sure what i should do to improve myself to make myself a little more desirable for an employer that's looking for a project manager what would you suggest that person do to make themselves more desirable you know, I think if they're able to have a authentic conversation with their employer uh, about growth inside the company, um, that employer would outline those for them. However, let's take the position which you just proposed that they're not, right? Because oftentimes candidates feel that they've reached the top. They're not happy where they are because of whatever reason, and the employer's not allowing them any opportunity for growth. You know, my my response is, what classes have you taken to enhance your resume? Are you certified in anything? Are you certified in ExactMate, ICRC? When was the last time you read a self-improvement book? What was that book? You know, there's so many great resources that, that are very inexpensive that can make someone a better person and make them stand out in a crowd. Reading books is a great example of that. If you take a water technician who's making whatever salary, you know, whatever hourly pay, who's never had any type of leadership or mentorship, and you put a great book in front of them like Good to Great or Seven Habits, you're going to change that person. And when you change that person on the inside, you're going to see it on the outside. Their, if their boss doesn't see that, that's okay, because in their next interview, they will see it, because they have, you know, that, that person interviewing is going to have zero perspective because they have zero history with that person, but they have this person coming in with these skills and this experience and now it's talking a little bit different language. So self-improvement, the, the, the ratio of self-improvement to entertainment is 50 to 1. 50 to 1, 50 hours of entertainment, one hour of self-improvement. It's kind of like the national average. It's ridiculous. So whenever I get that question from someone, and I have, you know, I say, what are you doing to improve yourself? Let's talk about a plan. One of the areas I find they need work is just communication skills, and and, and they could really, Absolutely. you know, they could benefit from maybe like a Dale Carnegie course, something that just gets them speaking a little more clearly, a little more slowly, pronouncing things a little better, and then uh, listening better too. Any other suggestions besides Dale Carnegie for that type of skill? You know, a, a colleague of mine. Um, Went to an Ivy League school, um, did very well, but was struggling finding, you know, a great job and inspiration, motivation. And so I, I shared Brian Tracy with her because Brian Tracy speaks to me. And, uh, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I like to, to keep things simple. <laughs> and uh, Brian Tracy, you know, was a busboy. And, and to where he is now is light years. And so I like Brian Tracy. That's daily motivation. You know, uh, Zig Ziglar said uh, motivation 
is something we need to work on every day. That's why we also need to take a shower every day because if, if we don't work on it, we're going to stink. Uh, you know, I didn't get his quote exact, but basically you got to work on yourself every day. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, any class out there, because you take class one one day and it's going to change your perspective and class two from someone else, you're going to look at that class two different, different than you would have if you'd taken it first, if, if you follow me. Mm-hmm. So um, anything to self-improve, reading, uh, any type of education, definitely, but your communication skills are also paramount. Cliff? Yeah, you know, seeing how you are a certified disc uh, person, what is, you know, what is yours <laughs> and, and what is Christie's? I just wonder. Oh, okay, no, no problem, yeah. You know, <laughs> opposites attract, and uh, I'm a DI personality, so that, that means I'm a doer, but I'm influencing as well. Um, okay. Christie is a C personality. That, that's our highest segment. Okay, we're all a blend. Um, but no, I, just, I understand. Right. So she's, she's a CS. Uh, I'm sorry, a CI. Um, with a fair amount of D, and the D has gotten stronger over the years. And, uh, you know, what? I don't know. Like I said, I'm not <laughs> that smart of a guy, but I was able to marry the right girl um, because right. Our, our personalities are awesome. We're, we're great at, at working together. You know, earlier we were talking about hiring people uh, typically you're oftentimes looking for younger people that have some uh, some experience in the work world but also some some ability to set goals and achieve them etc are there any tips for how you find people with a military background that you might be able to hire into your company is there a certain website or a way to attract more of those types of people you know, I recently was at scout camp uh, with my son and spent a week with, you know, his, his fellow Boy Scouts and another dad. This other dad was a lieutenant colonel in, in the Marines. And he, he's at, towards the end of his career, and he's about to retire literally within, within a year or so. And uh, he and I were talking. He's like, hey, could you help me find a job? And I said, well, let's talk about what you did in the military. Obviously, this guy's done well. You know, he's a lieutenant colonel. Um, and I said, you know, at the end of him explaining what he did, I said, I said, no, you're not a fit for me at all. And I said, uh, you're so specific. You're so, uh, you know, down, down one road that you're specialized that it's difficult for you to fit inside of many, many of my companies. I said, however, if I were to place you inside a company, it would be with a large company where you're managing large numbers of people, 50 plus, 100 plus people uh, because he has that view he has that behind him which you know honestly not many people in our industry do so at mm-hmm. that level of, of what he had that would be a, a probably a fit for him logistics operations things like that um we love that we recently had a incentive for our clients to hire vets actually we have it now if you hire a vet we're going to worry about 500 dollars off your fee just because they're a vet um, they're great people. They served our country. It's the least that Christy and I can do to at least show, you know, our gratitude to what they've done. Um, but also, these people have accomplished things that many other people haven't. Many jobs inside the military are not combat-related. A lot of them are personnel. Uh, a lot of them are logistics, HR. So mm-hmm. it really depends on their role and what they've done and where they'll fit. But honestly, it is a difficult 
transition. We probably hire maybe one a month, I would say. Would you say that's correct, Christine? Yeah, I would. I would. And I think, you know, in, in response to your story about the scout dad that you talked to, you know, a lot of times our clients are like, well, I need a really strong operations manager but, or a general manager, but they have to know frustration and construction. You know, that's kind of where they go. Um, we have a, a story that we share, and I don't think this person was a vet, but he had no restoration and construction experience. We hired him for a company in Wisconsin, and he's knocking it out of the park. Um, in fact, our client said, I never want to hire anybody from the industry again based on the experience that he's had with this gentleman. You know, he was able to have such great leadership that the folks underneath him, they didn't care that they knew more about mitigating water out of a house because they had buy, he had buy-in, right? They bought into his leadership. Um, so that's, a, that's kind of a side note tip, you know, when we're talking about these vets and what they could do that, you know, it's more important sometimes to get that person with that 50-foot view than the person who knows how to write an exactimate estimate. Is, is there a program, like, through the military or uh, recruiting offices? Where do you find these guys? Uh. You know, oftentimes they are applying to, to positions that we have online. Um, when we are searching, they're not going to have the keywords in their resume that we're typically searching for, right? Um, so oftentimes it's, it's candidates that are applying to uh, a position that we have online. I see. Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Yeah, it, it just seems that your approach to doing this seems, you know, dramatically different than the rest of the recruiting industry. And I find it interesting, and it's kind of why I can see why you're successful. Are you looking to branch out into other industries to increase, you know, the opportunities for yourselves, or are you just kind of want to stick to your knitting? You know, we, we're really good at uh, the industries we're in. Um, it is easy for us to cross over to some industries. Uh, you know, um, we could recruit, if there was a large organization of painters, we could hire estimators and project managers for painting companies because there is a segment of construction that's called painting. Um, right. So our focus really is rooted in these industries. We, we do time from time to time get pulled out a little bit and like the uh, liquid transformer folks in Waco who've also referred us to other multinational large companies asking us to work with them. Um, but, you know, we want to stay, stay focused um, because, you know, like the little boy, the little Dutch boy, uh, you know, you can only, you only have so many fingers where you can stop water coming out of the, out of the dam. Uh, so I, I think, because we've owned other businesses in the past, we'll always have that perspective and uh, ability to keep a 500-foot view and say, okay, you know, we're not able to take care of our restoration clients because of this. We need to stop that. So, um, you know, I think it's difficult to say we won't branch out, but right now we're we're pretty streamlined-focused. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got a go. little less than five minutes. Let's go to the roundup. Move them on, hit them up, hit them up. Move them on, move them on, hit them up, raw high. Well, our, our guy's going to be mad at me for using that music again, Cliff, but 
Uh, we'll get by one like more it. time. That's a good one. All right, let's let's finish this up. I, I have one more question, and then we always like to give you the last word. Um, you know, I'm always looking at if you've got someone that's trying to improve themselves and they want to do, uh, they want to be in the restoration or construction industry and they're looking at maybe going back to school for a little bit uh, maybe get an associate degree or go to a trade school or something like that any recommendations for how they would you know what direction they should take to advance themselves in this industry you know i would say go ahead christy go ahead you know and, and justin chime in here um we ask that question of our clients all the time. You know, what are you looking for in terms of minimum education? And we get high school as the response, you know, 80% of the time. Um, you know, candidates that are looking for a controller role, CFO, HR role, they're going to be our degreed um, individuals. Um, we do have some great project managers that have 40 degrees in construction management. Um, I just, knowing the clients that we talk to, I think their experience and hands-on experience is more of what that client is looking for than, oh, hey, they've been going to night school getting their construction management degree. Does that make sense? Sure. Justin, you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think you're spot on. Uh, we, we have engineers oftentimes apply for project manager roles. It's not a fit at all. Um, the engineer brain is so different than the project manager brain. Um, so that education that he has, you know, really won't help him at all. Now, I'm sure there's some, some, some idiosyncrasies, some instances where that scenario did work. But, you know, again, I'm talking uh, for the most part, for, for the most, most part. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know of a specific class that someone could take. Um, but I do know that when someone decides to improve themselves, that opens many doors for them because right. they decided they're going to improve themselves. And they're able to figure that out. And they may soon figure out that, hey, this isn't the industry for me. Or they may find themselves in our industry from some other industry. Yeah, it seems like even just a good liberal arts background where you're, you're, you're learning a little science, a little math, a little history, you know, that that... Mm-hmm. that that's desirable to just about any employer, I would think. Right. Well, and, and some and co- college is, is a good experience. It does teach you better writing skills, communication skills. You know, there's definitely some things to be gained. I just, it's hard for me to say, you know, yeah, we want them to have that degree to have this project manager and estimator position, you know? Yep. Um, it, it really just, it, it just really depends on the company, the candidate, and their goals. Cliff, any final thoughts, questions? Yeah, just, just one. Are you doing any recruiting at the collegiate level at you know places like Purdue that are involved in you know construction and actually you know teach construction, you know project management and that sort of stuff? So we have done that in the past, and unfortunately, we didn't have much success. Uh, the success failure was on, at the college level, at, at you know that level, meaning they weren't pimping out the jobs. Um, but also the candidates that we would get um, were very, very, very green. They had a lot of education behind them, but no real life experience. 
Um, and our clients, many of the clients, are not willing to take that risk in hiring somebody who's never driven a nail with a 16-penny nail with, with a knee swing hammer uh, versus the guy who sat behind the desk and made all eight. Again, right. back to that engineer scenario, it's a different brain. It really is. Um, so all of our clients, many of our clients are wanting that field experience more than they are wanting the four-year degree. And before we go, is there anything either of you or both of you would like to add? Christy? Um, yeah, I mean, we we really like to look at ourselves as a partnership with our, our clients. You know, we're an extension of their HR department. Um, we also like to always tell our clients that they should be recruiting all the time for your company, whether you're hiring or not, you know. Um, I had a company just recently decide to to put a, to pause a position because they were going to move someone internally, and we had a couple really good candidates to them. And I said, you should still really talk to them because in a month from now, you might need that role. And it's a tough role to fill, the one that we're looking was that mitigation PM role. So, you know, just always be recruiting. Always have, you know, your ear to the ground, talking to people who are looking for opportunities. And, and, and I'd like to just, uh, yeah, I'd like to just say, um, reiterate the partnership. You know, as a as an owner now, and and being an owner in the past, uh, being in that seat where I might use a recruiter, you know, fear fear is there because I'm spending money, and I want to I want to see an ROI uh, on anything I do. But if you treat your recruiter like every other vendor, your marketer or or your sign guy. Uh, you probably won't get the results that you potentially would if you were to have an authentic conversation with your recruiter. Talk about your struggles. Talk about what you're great at. And, and let us get to know you better. Uh, we're we're going to be able to present you the right candidates uh, for your, your company. But also, we've got, you know, we're working with over 100 clients currently. And we we have a lot of knowledge that we can share with you, not specifically about that company, but we can say, well, let me tell you how other companies are doing some compensation plans, or let me tell you how other companies are handling an issue with this type of employee. So, um, yeah, partnership is, is key, and, and that's how we look at it with our, our clients, more of a partnership than, than a customer. Well, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us today. It's been, it's been a real pleasure speaking with both of you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you at a future conference or event. Yeah, we really enjoyed it as well. It was a lot of fun. Great. All right. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to Christy and Justin Wylander and, of course, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Uh, another great show, Cliff. At the controls, John, you got to have faith. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners, please come back next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Real saying thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.